To introduce this episode of An American Gallery, here is the noted American novelist, Irving Stone. He lived for only the first 38 years of this century. And yet, Thomas Wolfe has gained immortality as one of the giants of American literature. His novels were lyrical works. But because they were autobiographical, they never lost touch with reality. Included in his second novel, Of Time and the River, is Thomas Wolfe's own story of all the turmoil, bewilderment, and anxiety he experienced the first time he left his North Carolina home to begin college. Wolfe called his protagonist Gene. Any young man listening will find a familiarity with the events Gene experiences the first time he leaves the security of his own home. In a sense, then, this is not only the narrative of one American, it is the story of all. Thomas Wolfe, American author, saluted this week on An American Gallery. Michael Anderson stars as Gene in this special adaptation, Flight Before Fury. I could not utter what I wished to say, and yet the wild and powerful music of those two images, of the lost and lonely South, which had been my home, and the fierce, secret North, kept swelling in me. And it seemed that the passion of their song must burst my heart and tear the sinews of my life asunder, unless I found some means to utter them. Three people were standing together in Asheville's railway station in the hills of North Carolina. A quietly suppressed excitement somehow seemed to infuse the drowsy mid-October afternoon with an electric vitality. Everybody seemed to feel the thrill and menace of the coming train. Everybody but my mother. Yes, Helen, that's what I'm telling you. That boy is not this woman's child at all. He's Emma Smathers' child by that first marriage. Well, that's news to me. Now, Mama, I don't want to hear it. But, Jean, I... Can we have no peace even when I go away? Always this spooky stuff, this I-could-tell-you-if-I-wanted-to air of mystery and horror. Who cares? What, child? Now, I was only telling you... All right, all right, all right. I don't care. Why, Jean, I'll vow. Well, what on earth has come over you? You act like a regular crazy man. I'll vow you do. A moment's peace. I beg you for just a moment's peace before we perish. Jean, there's no peace for the weary. It's like that river that goes on forever. You see what it's like now, don't you, Jean? You're the lucky one. You're smart enough to make something of yourself. I'm smart enough to go way off somewhere to college, to, to Boston, Harvard, anywhere. But you're away from it. I have to hear it all the time. You swear Well, I know talking does no good. I, I used well, to think something could be done about it. Wait, Helen. It's Robert Weaver. Robert! Huh? Over here! Why, Gene, you taking this train, too? Well, well, now, why do you want to go to a place like Harvard? Uh, what'd you say? Uh, you know each other? Oh, yes, ma'am. Well, how do you, Miss Gant? Well, now, I know you. I know your face. Yeah, Robert Weaver. Uh, that. So you're Robert Weaver's boy, of course. Uh, yes, ma'am. That's right. Uh, Jean and I went to school together. Well, I remember the day you were born, boy. Huh? 
on September 2nd, 1898. Yeah, but that, that is certainly right. <laughs> well, if that don't beat all. Uh, well, I'm pleased to have met you. I got to go now. Someone over here I got to see. Jean, I'll see you on the train. Goodbye. Bye. Nice to meet y'all. Uh, bye. He looks like a nice boy, Gene. Oh, well, now, now, boy, you're going, as the saying goes, to a strange land. A stranger among strange people. You're going to find your way in this world. And it may be a long time, Mama, boy. why do you have to act like this every time someone goes away? Oh, stop it, Mama. Boston's not so far. You'll never see him again. But I don't see why you can't just as well wait over till tomorrow. Now, it's not going to do a bit of harm to anyone up your day or so late and getting there. Now, Mama, I beg of you, please, not to... All right, all right. I, I was only saying... If you I'm... will kindly, please... Down the powerful shining tracks. The huge black snout of the locomotive swung slowly round the magnificent bend and flare of the rails. And with short, explosive thunders of its funnel, came barging slowly forward. Across the golden, pollinated haze of the warm autumnal afternoon, I watched it with numb lips and an empty hollowness of fear, delight, and sorrow in my heart. It was my train, and it had come to take me to the strange and secret heart of the great north that I had never known, but whose austere and lonely image, whose frozen heat and glacial fire and dark, stern beauty had blazed in my vision since I was a child. It had come to carry me through the unseen gate, into the thundering heart and soul of America, into unknown times and unknown people. My train had come to carry me to the great city, to fortune, to fame, to all I would make of my life. And as that overwhelming knowledge came to me, the whole earth reeled about in a kaleidoscopic blur of shine and rail, massed heavy greens, and white and petal faces of the staring people. And suddenly I was standing there among my people on the platform at the little station. All things and shapes on earth swam back into their proper shape again. And I could hear my mother's voice and see there on the tracks the blunt, black snout, the short, hard blasts of steam, the imminent presence, the enormous bigness of the train. all so strange, so near, so far, so terrible, beautiful, and instantly familiar, that it seemed I must have known the people at each station forever, that I must stretch forth my hand to them from the windows, that I must speak to them, and it seemed that all the strange and bitter miracle of life was in that instant greeting and farewell. It was mine forever, and I would never forget it. Who has seen fury riding in the mountains? 
Who has known fury striding in the storm? Who has known fury how it came? How? When? Where? Why? 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 I never knew if fury had lain dormant all those years throughout my young life. Had worked secret, silent, like a madness in the blood. But later it would seem to me that fury had first filled my life, exploded, conquered and possessed me. That I first felt it, saw it, knew the dark, illimitable madness of its power one night on a train across Virginia. Mr. Flood. Huh? Hello. Oh, hello, son. How are you? Fine, thank As you. As I was saying, Flood, from what I hear, it's just the other way. Cox is gaining everywhere. Oh, it's going to be close. Maybe that the country's ready for a change. Now, don't misunderstand me. I supported Wilson twice. 1912, when he got elected to his first term of office, and again in 1916. The time he kept us out of war. And if he was running again, if he was well enough to run, well, I believe I'd go ahead and vote for him. In my opinion, <clears throat> in my opinion, better times are before us. Now, look at Asheville, for example. Ten years ago, in 1910, the census gave us a population of 18,000. Now we have 30. Yes, yes. Uh, <clears throat> not to change the subject, I think I have the winning hand here. Hmm. Never did win more than one out of ten games with you, Flood. <laughs> hey, your deal. Yes, yes. yes. Uh, say, son. Yes, sir. Uh, you're one of those Gad boys, ain't you? Ain't you uh, Ben's brother? Yes, sir, that's right. Which one are you? Uh, I'm Eugene. I knew I'd seen you somewhere. I used to carry a route on the courier when you owned it. I guess that's how you remembered me. Yes, yes, that's it, all right. I remember now. Uh, whatever became of Steve? He lives in Indiana. Does he for a fact? One of the gad boys, huh? Uh, what happened to Luke? He sells farm machinery and lighting equipment, Mr. Emmett. Oh, yes, hmm. Luke. Uh, he's the one that stutters. Yes, sir. Selling farm machinery. Yes, sir, that's what he's doing. Then by God, he'll do it. <laughs> if anyone can sell him, he'll do it. He's a good one. If anyone can sell him, he is the one. <laughs> hey, whatever became of that other boy, the one who uh, used to work there in the curry office when you owned it? Uh, what was his name, anyway? Ben, Ben. That was Ben. Ben, yeah. Whatever became of him? He's dead. He died two years ago, during the war. Oh, yeah, that's so he did. Uh, he was overseas at the time, wasn't he? No, sir. He was at home. He died of pneumonia. Hmm. I remember when Ben used to stand in the windows of the courier offices when the World Series was being played and post the score up as they phoned it in to him. Yes, yes, that was Ben. That and for was a moment, ben. present time faded out. And I sat there staring blindly at the dark earth that stroked forever past the train. And then I had to watch out and felt it in my hands. Time flowed back, and suddenly Ben was standing there before my vision, scowling down at me. Here's something for you. What is it? Why don't you open it up and see? Open it? It's not going to bite you. Well, did you look at it? it? It's a watch. Does it look like an alarm clock? It's for me? No, for Napoleon Bonaparte, you little idiot. 
Don't you know what day this is? Have I got to do all the thinking for you? Don't you ever use your head for anything except a hat rack? Well, what do you think of it? There's a spring in the back that opens up. Why don't you look at it? All right. To Eugene Gant. Presented to him on his birthday by his brother, B.H. Gant. October 3rd, 1912. Well? I'd just like to say... Listen to this, won't you? Now, for God's sake, try to take good care of it and don't abuse it. You know you're not supposed to drive nails with it or use it for a hammer. Now, you know that, don't you? Yes. You know what a watch is for? Yes. What is it for? To keep time with. Yes, that's it. That's what it's for, to keep time with. And I hope you keep it better than the rest of us. Better than Mama or the old man. Better than me. God help you if you don't. Now, go on home before I kill you. To keep time with. What is this dream of time? This strange and bitter miracle of living? Is it the wind that drives the leaves? Is it the wind that howls above the earth? Is it the wind that drives all things before its lash? All things are lost and broken in the wind before the fury of the demented wind. And October has come again. Has come again. And this world, this life, this time... A stranger than a dream. May it not be that someday from this dream of time we shall wake, knowing the flowers, the low rich moons of waning August, and the tolling bell, and instantly to know we live, that we have dreamed and have awakened, and find then in our hands some object like this, real and palpable, some gift out of the lost land and the unknown world as token that it was no dream, that we have really been there. For now October has come back again. The strange and lonely month comes back again, and you will not return. Up on the mountain, down in the valley, deep, deep in the hill bend, cold, cold, cold. To keep time with. And suddenly the scene swam back into focus. And I could hear the rhythm pounding of the wheels below me. And in my palm the frail numbered visage of the watch stared blank and plain at me its legend. It was one minute after twelve o'clock Sunday morning, October the 3rd, 1920. And I was hurtling across Virginia. And this world, this life, this time were stranger than a dream. Well, good night, son. I'm getting off at Washington. If I don't see you again, good luck to you. Yes, sir. Thank you. Good luck in your studies, son. Work hard. You'll get somewhere. You've got every opportunity. Yes, thank you, sir. Good night. Uh, I'll see you in the morning, won't I, Jim? Well, if you're up early enough. I'll get up and check. It was now after one o'clock. Outside, the moon was up, flooding the dark earth of Virginia with a haunting light. 
The earth stroke calmly passed and the train clicked on its tremendous monotone that was itself the rhythm of suspended time. The sound of silence and forever. Forever. I wondered about my new life, my school, myself. I wondered if I'd really left the small world I'd known and would now enter into a world of my own. A world where I would shine brightly and eternally through the darkness of time. for yourself. Come, sir. Explain yourself. Now, were you drunk or sober? <laughs> what have you been doing by yourself all night? Now, Robert. Oh, beats me. It'd drive me crazy to be alone like that. I was thinking. Thinking? <laughs> now, do you know what they're saying about you at home? Don't start that stuff. They're not saying anything. Oh, why, they are. I, I, I think you ought to know about it. I, I heard it everywhere, all over town. You're drunk. What did you hear? Nothing. Oh, now, look, I swear to you. I swear you know what I heard the other day? I heard that some old sister in the Baptist church known your mother all her life. Well, well she's praying for you. I swear, she is. Praying for me? Why should anyone pray for me? I know, I know. And that's, now that's what I told her. Now, that's just the way I felt about it. But you know what I heard a woman say the other day? She said that Eugene Gant had gone straight to the devil and since he went away to the state university. I don't believe you. You're making it up. What in what she did? She said you turned into a regular infidel. Well, I'm glad I'm out of that town. Hypocrite. I wouldn't trust any of them as far as I could throw an elephant by his tail. Oh, I agree with you absolutely, but... All right, then. So that's the way they feel about me. I'll show them. Thank God I've got away at last. Thank God America's so big. There's always new land in your own country. A new life, new people like myself who'll see and know me as I am and value me. And I'll show them... I have my chance, Robert. I'm going to show them. <laughs> Don't let Robert get you, Dean. Here, take a drink. Check him you. How is it? <coughs> it's good. It's fine. Best I ever tasted. Well, there's lots more where that came from. <laughs> that stuff can rot the stomach off a brass monkey. <laughs> well, then, Robert, finish the flat. Oh, well, give it here. I don't see how you people do it. Ah. Ah. Oh, see, wait a minute. Now, come, come on outside here. Come on, come on. We're coming. Nobody to see us. Well, I'll be right back. I'll go and get us another bottle. So there we were. Three youths bound for the first time towards our images of the distant, enchanted city. Three drops in the unceasing flood. And each of us a flame, a light, a glory. Sure that our destiny was written in the blazing stars. We stood upon the rocking platform of the train, wild and jubilant from the fierce liquor we drunk, but more wild and jubilant from the fury swelling in our hearts, the savage, exultant, and unutterable fury working like a madness in our souls. Click, clack, 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 clack. And the great wheel smashed and pounded beneath our feet. The great wheel pounded and smashed and gave a rhyme to madness, a tongue to hunger and desire. A certitude to all the savage, drunken, and exultant fury that kept mounting, rising, swelling in us all the time. Does the trick. Keep her steady as a stick. Eat the earth. Eat the earth. Slam and slug and beat the earth. Let her whir. Let her purr. Baby purr.
I said to feel around. <laughs> Whoa! Forrest George, scare of the gas. We're out to see the world. Run out the track, boy. We don't need no rail, do we? Which way does this train go anyway after it leaves Virginia? Maryland? Oh, Maryland, my Maryland. Well, now, who owns Mary's land? Or Mary's lamb, or Mary's calf, or Mary's blue silk underdrawer? <laughs> Robert, art there, boy? Ah, sir, present. Has seen the damsel in lower seven? Oh, that I have, a comely wind. Now, be smooth. Don't think thou can snare this dove of innocence into the nets of infamous desire with stale reversion to thy wit. of 18,000 miles of American coast, on the million hollows of the shore, and on the great wink of the sea that ate the earth minutely and eternally. The moon blazed down upon the wilderness. It fell on sleeping wood. It dripped through moving leaves. It swarmed in weaving patterns on the earth, and it filled the cat's still eye with blazing yellow. The moon slept over mountain and lay like silence in the desert and it carved the shadows of great rocks like time. Sleep lay upon the wilderness. It lay across the faces of the nations. It lay like silence on the hearts of sleeping men, and low upon lowlands, and high upon hills. Flowed gently, sleep, smooth sliding sleep. Sleep, sleep, sleep. Sleep, sleep, sleep. Robert? Mm. Oh, go, go on to bed, Gene. Go, go to bed now. Go, go to bed. No, there's something I've got to say to you. Mm, well, go to bed. What's the matter, Gene? Christmas, you're a good fellow, maybe, but I, I don't know you. you. You keep out of this. Robert, mm? I, I'm going to tell you something. You made a remark tonight I, I didn't like. Praying for me, are they, Robert? Oh, now, you don't know what you're talking about. Now go, go to bed. Praying for me, are you? Well, you pray for yourself. All right, Jane. Now, now go to bed. You're drunk. All right, Robert. I, I don't mean anything against you. <laughs> Good night, Jane. Uh, be careful now. See you in the morning, boy. All right. Good night. Good night. Keep time with. That was Ben. That was Ben. 
To keep time with. Why, boy, what on earth come over you? To keep time with. Good luck in your studies, son. Work hard. You'll get somewhere. To keep time with. And I hope you keep it better than the rest of us. There's nothing to stop you from making something out of yourself. God help you if you don't. I sat there in stupefied disbelief, listening to the song of the conductor. The whistle cry, the tolling bell. The great train mount into its classic monotone again. And presently the last lights of a little town. The floating void and loneliness of moon haunted earth. And all things known as well as things unseen. A part of my whole consciousness. And time passing like the thrumming in a wood. Time passing as cloud shadows pass about the hill flanks of the mountain meadows. Or like the hard, fast pounding of the train. And time still passing. Passing like a leaf. Time passing. Passing, fading like a flower. Time passing like a river flowing. Time passing and remembered suddenly like the forgotten hoof and wheel. Time passing as men pass who will never come back again. And leaving us, great God, with only this. Knowing that this earth, this time, this life are stranger than a dream. And so, for the first time, the magic and vastness of America began to unfold before young Wolfe's eyes. He saw much of his country in the twenty years left to him, and of it he wrote these words about the dream and the reality that enables any man to become part of this American gallery. Wolfe wrote, So then, to every man his chance, to every man, regardless of his birth, his shining golden opportunity, to every man the right to live, to work, to be himself, and to become whatever thing his manhood and his vision can combine to make him. This, seeker, is the promise of America. This has been another portrait in an American gallery. Today, Flight Before Fury starred Michael Anderson as Gene Gant. Featured in the cast were Joan Tompkins, Janet Waldo, Ben Cooper, Bill Keene, John Stevenson, Jerry Ziesmer, and Jack Bannon. Sound by Gene Twombly. The story was written by Robert M. Young. Produced and directed by William Lally. Art Ballinger speaking. This is the United States Armed Forces Radio Service.